I'll be reading Genesis verse, oh, 18 verses 20 to 26. Then the Lord said, How great is the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, and how very grave their sin. I must go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham came near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not forgive and not forgive it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous fear as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not judge for all the earth to do what is just. And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will forgive the whole place for their sake. Thanks, Manny. You can be seated. And now I'll invite Alistair up. (laughs) Yeah, come on, man. (laughs) Uh, Alistair is, if you don't know, is the uh, pastor of uh, Equippers Church here in Palmerston North. And uh, they've actually been on, I think it was slightly ahead of us or what? Something like that, but they're on a you know, similar church planning kind of trajectory. And uh, he, him and his wife Emily and the kids are just a wonderful people. And I've got to know him, and he's spoken here before. And uh, he's just a person of real faith and optimism, got great vision, and just an all round decent guy. So after I've pushed you up like that, yeah, 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 yeah no pressure, yeah. <laughs> and I'll just pray for you and leave it to you. Father God, I just thank you for Alistair. Um, Lord, I just pray you bless him as he speaks today. Uh, Lord, would he just be a real instrument of your grace to us. And Lord, we just lift up Emily and the kids too, and and Equippers Church, and we just pray your blessing and protection over all of them, in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. What in the church? How we doing? We're good. We're good. That's good. Um, Yeah, like Nick mentioned, I am the the pastor of uh, the Equippers Church. Here in, in the city, which is good, good fun. Um, I am uh, a little bit more on the loud side, if you use the word to describe me, to be loud, excited, passionate, energetic. Some people use the words annoying or obnoxious as well. And yeah, I choose to ignore those words and focus on the positive ones. So um, I hope you don't mind if I'm a little bit, little bit noisier uh, today. I'm a Pentecostal at heart. Yeah, fire-filled, Holy Spirit-filled, and uh, I love God moving in. Uh, our city in so many great and amazing ways. Uh, I am the, uh, have we got uh, the slides for today? Ah, yeah, cool. So um, today we're talking about interceding and contending, and we're going to unpack a little bit that scripture that Manny did such a good job of reading this morning, so thank you for doing that. Um, but first, just a little bit about me. So I have uh, a wife and kids, like, um, um, like, like Nick said, and so uh, that's me, that one there. Um, it's my wife, Emily, and then we've got Grace, Esther, and David. Very biblical names. That was our picture for uh, Mother's Day. And if you go to the next one, Johnny, uh, it's our new house that we just um, able to bought, uh, able to buy, which is a real blessing. And so um, we're loving that. It's been a pretty crazy and stressful time. We managed. I was just sharing with Nick before. We managed to find the house, put the offer on, like unconditional settle, do two weeks, two and a half weeks of work, all in six weeks. 
So it's been a very stressful time. <laughs> uh, we don't do things by halves. When we first moved to the city, um, we started the church. We started a business, which I'll talk about shortly. Uh, bought our first home and planted the, uh, and planted the church all at the same time. And, oh, and had a baby. Yeah, and had a baby. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so we all did that, did that in like kind of six-month um, kind of stint as well. So we, we go all out. That's the kind of the way we do it, um, yeah, and, uh, which is good fun. Um, uh, yeah, we, we, we lead the church, which is good fun, and we also uh, run a business, which is Epic Music Academy, and so some families here uh, know about that as well. In fact, I think I, I, think I taught Matthew. Was it Matthew? Caleb, Matthew, Christian. Yeah, so we taught almost the whole family there. <laughs> I think Matthew was one of my first drum students at Cornerstone School. So, uh, yeah, which was, which was good fun as well. Um, so, yeah, so that's a little bit about me, a little bit about us. We've got a very full life. Uh, it's very full on. Um, my friend, he uses the word for describing the stage that we're in as relentless. And I think that's pretty accurate <laughs> with three kids and everything else going on. Uh, but today, I do want to talk about interceding and, and, and contending. The, the passage that Manny read, if, if you know the passage, it actually goes on, and Abraham continues to, um, to, to say to God, well, uh, if there was, say there was only 45 people in, in Sodom, 45 righteous people, would you still destroy the city? And, and, and God says, no, for 45, I, I wouldn't destroy it. And then Abraham's like, don't mind me asking again, but if, what, what if there was only 40, and then, and then it goes on and on, and so there it goes 40, and then 30, and then 20, and then 10, and each time God says to Abraham, no, if I could find just 10, or 30, 40, whatever the order was, even if I find 10, I will still not destroy the city, and then Abraham actually stops there, but you're left with this thought, this picture, well, what if Abraham kept going, what if there's five? What if there was four? What if there was three? So that points to the nature of God, that even for just one or two righteous people, God wouldn't destroy the city. But the, the, the whole picture is this beautiful image of God inviting Abraham in to intercede for these other people. And that's why I want to unpack uh, a little bit more today. We're going to talk about intercession. We're going to be talking about uh, contending. Uh, and that's going to be good fun. But better let me start by talking about parenting little kids. Uh, not because it requires lots of prayer, although it de- definitely does. Um, but with, with parenting little kids, um, our kids are five, three, and one. And um, they take after their mother, of course, and they're very demanding and stubborn. Um, I can say that because she's not here. Um, uh, uh, but no, they, they, yeah, thanks, man. appreciate it. Uh, they want stuff. Our little kids, they want stuff, and they know what they want, and they know when they want it, and when they want it is always now, and, uh, and, they, and, they, and they want stuff. Oftentimes, it's TV, <laughs> which is a bit of a frustration, um, but, but my, in our family, my kids are starting to get to the age where they can figure out how to push my buttons and t- kind of twist my arm and whatnot. Um, I, I love watching uh, NFL highlights, like American football. Anyone a fan of American football? Yeah, yeah, a couple people. Yeah, I, I'm all about it. I love it. Um, and my gr- and my daughter Grace, she's kind of clicked onto this. So she'll come up to me on the couch and she'll say, "Daddy, Daddy, should we watch some football?" <laughs> and she knows if I can, if she can get me watching some football, then she can get onto YouTube. <laughs> and it's just it's like this pathway for her to be able to get. But she knows me. She can like twist my. She can get me there. Uh, which is which is kind of funny. Um, she also loves staying up and co- doing cool things together. She loves staying up late after her kids go to sleep, um, and so they so they know how to work me 
uh, in this sort of way. Esther, she, 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 loves, uh, she loves waking up early <laughs> for some reason. She's our early riser, so she'll be up at six, if not earlier. And so we've bought this God-given gift to mankind called a grow clock. Anyone know what a grow clock is? Okay, so if you didn't know, man, this is just, it's like catnip for kids. It's, it's awesome. So it's, it's, it's a great control mechanism, you see. It's not maybe the best parenting method, but it's this clock that is blue when they're meant to be asleep or stay in the room, and it turns yellow when they're allowed to get up and come out. And so we have this glow clock, which go, is meant to go yellow at 7 a.m. 7 a.m. It gives me a little bit of time to get out, have my own time. It means that my wife can sleep. But of course, my, my, my daughter Esther, she doesn't care about no grow clock. So my oldest, she's really responsible. She'll wait until it's yellow and she'll tell me every morning, I waited until it's yellow. I'm like, awesome. Esther will turn up to my side of the bed at five past six in the morning or earlier and she'll come and <laughs> my wife will kick me because I just sleep through it. And then, and, and, and I'll say to Esther, 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 is your clock yellow? And she just says, I don't know. And, <laughs> and I had to tell her, Esther, go and check your clock. I don't want to, <laughs> which is hilarious. And she, but she's so cute. But she'll just say to me, I want a cuddle. Because she's all, she's all about cuddles. And she knows I'm all about cuddles. And she, she can like, she twists my arm. She's like, oh, okay, fine. So I let her come into bed. And then it's like, morning's done. David, my, my baby, he just points at things and screams, which is the most effective. Uh, but, but, this is the thing, is that the kids, they're, they're learning how to, to, to make me do things that I don't necessarily think they should do or want to do. And, but one of the cutest things that I've seen, and this is happen, starting to happen more and more recently, is when my kids stick up for each other. Is when my, so, so, and me as a, as a parent, confession time, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I get things wrong. Um, if there's any other parents in here, you'll understand as well. And so there's times when I'll say something uh, to the kids or, or I'll, I'll, I'll say, no, you can't have that. And they'll say, but, but you said that we could. Or, I'll, or I'll, tell, I'll tell them off for doing something wrong. But say, say I'm blaming um, Esther for doing something with the TV. And Grace will come along and say, no, it wasn't Esther. It was someone else or it was whatever. The TV was already on. Mum said we could do it, whatever. And Grace actually sticks up for Esther. And part of me really loves that. Part of me gets a little bit annoyed. But part of me really loves that. Because why? It's because my, my kids are actually standing in the gap for each other. And essentially, they're interceding for each other. And they say, no, it's not their fault. It's not, not their problem. They didn't get it wrong. Actually, actually, it's not their, uh, it's, it's not their fault. And I think there's something to be learned here from, from having kids and from, from this sort of experience. And as children of God, which we all are, if you didn't know that today, welcome. You're a child of God. You're a loved child of God. Uh, we would do well to apply the same approach to our relationship with God. So today I want to unpack a little bit more interceding and contending. I want to start by just asking this question, what is intercession? What is intercession? And uh, at least from, from my studies and reading the Bible and um, I'm looking on Google. Um, it includes the ideas, uh, intercession is quite simply doing something on behalf of someone else. So you're doing something on behalf of another person. It includes the ideas of, of mediating, of pleading another person's case, of petitioning someone, which is just asking them for things, uh, or to intervene in a situation. It's, common, it's a common theme in the Bible, and one that I want to look at 
although I'll be albeit ever so briefly today. Um, but this first time, you, or first idea, this, this theme is first introduced in the Bible is that story of Abraham that was read before, where Abraham comes before God and says, what if there's a few righteous people there? He's interceding for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, one of whom was actually his cousin Lot, if you continue on the story of Genesis. Um, and so that's kind of a brief overview of what it means to con- uh, intercede. Second question I want to ask today is, what does it mean to contend? What does it mean to contend? You may have heard this before. It may be a new one. Uh, General overview, to contend means to struggle to overcome. So it's to struggle to overcome. It includes the ideas of of, of to fight or fighting, uh, competing with another, to asserting something as a position over uh, or in an argument. And it often involves some sort of struggle. So there's a struggle there. And one thing is, as followers of Jesus, and, and if you've read Uh, The book of Ephesians, you'll know, but even reading the stories of Jesus, you come to understand that actually we're in a spiritual fight. That, you know, we don't, we don't fight with swords and bows and arrows and whatnot, but we, 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 spy, we fight in the spirit. There's a struggle that's happening. There's a fight going on for your souls, for the souls of others, for the things of God, for the kingdom uh, of God that's advancing here on earth. There's a fight for that, and we're actually invited in to contend for the things of God in that space. Um, and so... Oftentimes, we, uh, un- until we shift things in that realm, in that spiritual realm, we're often wasting our time trying to fix things in the, f- in the, in the natural, in the physical. And I, I know many people here um, will understand that. I'm convinced that this is why Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He also taught his disciples to bind and to loose things in heaven, and when they do, that they'll be bound and loose on earth. That's some powerful language, and I've got this, I've got this pet peeve, so if you do this or if you have done this in the past, please don't be offended. If you, uh, I don't really care that much because I don't, <laughs> may not come back, but uh, that's all right. Um, uh, please stop praying the prayer if it is your will. That's not how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. His disciples, he taught his disciples to pray, your will be done. Your will be done. I know it's the whole Baptist thing, if it's your will, God. No, that's actually, no, the, 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 the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's like this emphatic declaration of like, God, do the things that are in your will. It's almost a demand on God, which sounds offensive, but that's the way Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And it's powerful, and it's filled with expectation, and it's, it's filled with this petition-type thing of, God, do the things that only you can do. And I really, I'm really convinced the more we know the will of God, uh, sorry, the more we know God, the more we'll know the will of God. But some, but some things are real, really just basic level, like we assume these things are of the will of God because we know they're the will of God. Things like marriages to be restored. We don't need to pray if it is your will. No, it is God's will. Marriage is a God-given gift. It's a God, God-blessed covenant marriage relationship. God wants marriages to be healthy and fully restored. Don't get me wrong. There's times when things get messed up, whatever. But, but God's heart, God's will is for marriages to be whole and healthy, for people to be saved. We know God wants everyone to be saved. Come on, we don't have to pray if it is your will. No, it is God's will. Let's pray for these people to be saved, for the sick to be made well, for the poor to be provided for. We know this is God's heart. Amen? 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 What This is God's heart. So let's pray bold prayers that intercede for those who are in need, who contend, that contend for the hearts of people, for the souls of people who don't know God. Will this always be answered the way that we expect them to be? No, of course not. (laughs) 
But that doesn't mean we lower our expectation, and it doesn't, shouldn't mean that we change the way we pray. You know, I've got a, um, uh, my best friend, and in, in, he was in South Africa for five years now, just recently moved to Australia. Um, we grew up together. His family was my family. My family was his family. And um, like, you know, your you know your proper family when your parents' friends are allowed to growl you and like like discipline you. You're like, oh yeah, I'm actually part of the family now, uh, which is cool. And, and vice versa for him. Like, yeah. Anyway, we could go down that story. Um, so he had a younger sister, and his younger sister was maybe three years younger than than us. Uh, and so we grew up together and awesome. And I moved to Wellington. I was spending my time there studying music and whatnot. Uh, maybe 20, 21 years old. And um, it was about that time when, when his younger sister, Abigail, she had a horrific car crash. Uh, it was in Hamilton driving up to Raglan. Um, and there was a drunk driver across the line and boom, head-on collision. Her friend in the, in the front seat ended up dying. She was driving the car. Um, the, the, it, was, it was so bad that the... Um, both of her legs, both, both of her femurs shattered. They didn't just break, they shattered. Um, the, the impact was so strong that, that stuff in her bones actually got pushed up into her brain, and so she lost the function of the full right side of her body. Um, doctors said, if, if you survive, which no one was expecting her to do. She was in a coma for 30 days after the, after the incident. Um, if you survive, you'll never walk again. Um, you, if you've got any memory, you, you probably still won't be yourself. The amount of brain damage, brain swelled up to twice its size, and have to cut open a skull, all that sort of stuff. And and, and this is this was kind of what what I woke up to one morning when my friend called me, and and, and the call went out. They're, they're, they're a passionate Jesus following family, pastors of the church, and and the call went out. Hey, we need to pray. We need to pray. And so that was the call that went out, and we prayed for, for a number of days and for a season, and there was many tears and whatnot. I remember one time when, when the call went out, hey, there's something that's not right. Abby's heading in a bad direction, and things don't look good. We need to pray. And I remember going to my room, 17A Daniel Street in Wellington, and I closed the door, and I just started praying. And I just, I, I prayed in tongues, and, and I declared, and I can guarantee you there was no mincing of my words. There was no, if it is your will, God. No, I was praying bold prayers. I was terrified. I was freaking out. But I enabled something inside me, the Spirit of God, I guess, to actually come out in faith to pray for that situation. And I remember praying for it was about 20 minutes until I felt something shift. I could feel it. You could sense the shift in the Spirit. And then I got, uh, and then I kind of finished my prayer, and then I went, continued on my day. And it was about maybe an hour later, I got a message. Hey, th- things have shifted. Something, something's really positive has happened, and, and, and she's, she's back on the way up. And so you could, you could, you could sense it. There was something that, that happened. See, it might be the case, maybe, that we need to have, let our prayers be a little bit more desperate. Maybe we little, need a little bit more desperation in our lives for the family members who don't know Jesus, for the situations that perhaps we know people are facing, maybe the situations we know our neighbors are going through. Maybe we need a little bit more desperation in our prayers to pray some faith-filled prayers. We're called to fight for the things of God, not to shrink back or roll over and just accept things as normal. If they don't line up with what God says they should look like, then pull up your spiritual boots and get in that prayer closet of yours. Come on, let's pray. One last thought before we get into unpacking more about interceding today, and that's contending as a church. I, I, I am passionate about seeing people saved. 
I, don't, I, I think every church and every Christian should be passionate about that. Because when you know God's heart, you know God's heart is for every person. And his heart is especially for those who don't know him. You read through the parables of the, the lost sheep and the lost coin, the lost son. God's heart is for those who are lost. And as followers of Jesus, that needs to move our heart as well. Our prayers should be filled, filled I should say, with, with prayers for those who don't know him yet. <clears throat> but the truth is, I don't have enough faith to, see, to, to pray for the salvation of my city. There's 90,000 people here. I just can't see it happening in, in my life. Or, 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 uh, anyway, but as a church, we can pray for that. And when I know I'm not the only person praying for that, it helps me. It helps lift my faith. It helps me fight for, to pray for these things. And, and if you take it even one, bit, one level bigger, when I know we're not the only church praying for that, but we know other churches, Life Church and Vision Church and Konamaku Church and, 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 Vision, and, and, and the Brethren Church or whatever the other churches are, that we're all praying for this. Then it helps me engage faith. We're called to contend not just as individuals but as a church as well. As the body of Christ, we're called to fight for this kingdom coming to earth. Not pulling out our swords and guns, uh, but getting on our knees and fighting in the spirit. So today I want to tackle three questions that will hopefully help us understand what it means to intercede for others and contend for the things of God. Are you ready? Yeah? You can, you can give me a nice loud feedback. I appreciate it. It means that I know that things are landing. Cool. So number one, everyone say number one. Number one, who are they? Who are they? Who are the people that God is calling us to intercede for? Who are the people? Us, yeah, partly. They're our neighbors. They are the oppressed. They are the poor and the vulnerable. Friends, work colleagues, maybe family members who don't know Jesus. They're the children of God, whether they know or not. And we're also called to pray for one another. To pray for other Christians. Isn't it funny, just a side note, isn't it funny, sometimes we find it easier praying for people who don't know God than praying for some people who do know God but have a slightly different expression of faith than our own? Don't you think it's a little bit funny? We think things like, well, maybe not you, maybe not you, but if I'm honest, I think things like, oh, if they worship properly, maybe then God will answer their prayers. And maybe then they wouldn't be in the situation they're in. Or if they had a correct understanding of the Holy Spirit, then maybe God would give them a breakthrough. Imagine what God is thinking like, or, or thinking when we act like this. Come on, well, that's not how we're meant to pray for each other. That's not how we're meant to contend for the, for, for the saints of our city, the saints of Palmerston North. I, I love hearing this story. Does anyone know a guy called Dr. Michael Maiden? Anyone? No, okay, that's right. Uh, a, he's a guy from the States and... I think he's got a doctor of psychology, maybe, or maybe a doctor of, of, of counseling or something. Um, but he, he, he's, a, he's a Pentecostal guy, and do a, leads a great church over in the States. He's prophetic and healing and all, all sorts of cool stuff. Very Pentecostal, essentially. Um, but, but he's old, so he's quite Pentecostal. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> not that old. Okay, you know, I'm not even going to go down that road. Um, apologies. So anyway, so Dr. Michael Maiden, he got the privilege of going to meet the Pope. It's pretty crazy. Before he went to meet the Pope, or maybe when he went, I'm not entirely sure, he had a prophetic like, encounter with God that, that, that was a word for the Pope. Just think of that for a moment. Random Pentecostal church pastor in America goes to meet like, the head of the Catholic church. <laughs> 
And he goes and he, and he, says, and he, and, and he says to them, he goes to meet the Pope and he says to the Pope, I have, I have a, a, a prophetic word for you. And, and the Pope said, could you please write it down? Um, it doesn't speak English as well as other, I don't know. Um, can, I, can you write it down? So he, he wrote it down. It was like two or three pages. And it started with, when you were a boy, this that happened. And, and it's like super accurate, super accurate. But he, he, he read that out. Uh, and he read it to him or he gave it to him. And then he was able to pray for the Pope. Now, if you're sitting here thinking, yeah, that's because we've got the real faith. Like, no, you missed the point. Like, no, what I'm, what, what, what I'm, what I'm getting to is the Pope was humble enough to receive the prayer from Dr. Michael Maiden. And Dr. Michael Maiden was willing to, to pray and, and essentially humble himself and, and follow his kind of the Pope's way of doing things. But there's this, there's this just beautiful picture of, God, of God's children ministering to one another which I think we could, we could learn from, that we could be willing to do that. We could be willing to pray for people, even though our, our views don't fully align, even though we don't necessarily agree with everything that they're doing or, or um, the, the way they do things. Yes, even the Catholics. Um, so who, who, who are we praying for? Who are the they? Anyone and everyone. Anyone and everyone and everyone in need. And we intercede for them not because of their merit or lack thereof, but because of the inherent value as an image of God. That's who we pray for, and that's why we pray for them. Number two, everyone say number two. <laughs> who are we? The story of the Bible paints uh, the picture of our need for someone to stand before God and intercede for humanity. You see that through this picture, the, the story of, of, of Abraham and, and um, praying for Sodom and Gomorrah. You also see it through the, the, the narrative of um, uh, uh, the narrative of, of Joseph a little bit, but more, more so uh, Moses uh, interceding for the, for the people of Israel, offering up his life, even though God said no. You see it through, through the life of Job right at the end where he has to intercede for his friends. There's, there's this picture of there needs to be a, a someone, this, this person that intercedes for humanity. And uh, so what enables us to pray for anyone, to stand before the most holy of holies and ask for or even expect or intervene in any way. The only reason we have any ability to do this is because Jesus has already filled that role for us. Romans 8.34, it, it says this, it points to Jesus. Uh, who then is the one who condemns no one? Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So Jesus Christ, he fulfilled that role of the person who would go before God and offer up his life to intercede for humanity. It fulfilled all the prophecies. It fulfilled the picture, the image of what was needed. And now, he, even now, he's interceding for us at the right hand of God. But that's not all, because also along with Jesus is also the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf day and night at the throne of God. Did you know that once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, both him and the Holy Spirit are praying for you, are interceding for you? Praying is probably not the right image, but they're interceding for you. They're standing in the gap for you. They're contending for you. That should be comforting. That should be good news. We read earlier in Romans chapter 8, it says this. Thanks, Johnny. Next one. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The good thing is the Spirit knows the perfect will of God. So he always prays the right things, always intercedes the right things, which is good news for us. Think about what this means for you and me, for you and I. 
When things aren't going well, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are interceding for us. When things are falling apart, they're interceding for us. When we feel like we just can't go on anymore, they're interceding for us. They're contending for us. And it's from this reality that God once again invites his people in to intercede for others. First Peter chapter 2, oh, this is the last big bit of scripture I think I'm going to read. It says this, I'm going to read a, a couple different verses. You also like living stones, yes you are brick, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we are being built into the spiritual house, but also a priesthood. Go to the next one, Johnny. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. What do the priests do? They intercede on behalf of the people. They mediate between the people and God. Now we are God's royal priesthood. And we are called to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light and to intercede for each other. This is Peter quoting from the narrative in Exodus. But the idea of humanity being God's priest goes all the way back to the first story in the Bible, which we don't have time for, for today. It's always been God's intention for us as his people to stand in the gap for one another, to intercede for one another, to minister to one another. This mandate hasn't changed. Who are we? We're not just the temple of God. Though we are, we're also a royal priesthood. We are a royal priesthood so that we can minister to, mediate, and intercede for those who don't know him. We are people who pray for others, who meet the needs of others, and who encourage one another. We're people doing the work of his holy royal priesthood. Now, you may, like me, be thinking, I just don't know if I'm qualified to be doing that. I don't know if I'm qualified to stand before God, which I agree, <laughs> nor am I, which brings us to our final and most important question. Number three, everyone say number three. Who is God? This is really the most important question. Because when it comes to interceding or contending for others, it has a whole lot less to do with ourselves and everything to do with God. It's like how with my kids, when they'd, they'd want something, they wouldn't, they wouldn't necessarily say, look how good I've been. Look, I've done all my chores or I've cleaned my room or anything. They don't even do that. <laughs> They've got no merit. It's like a five, three, and one. You can't be like, look, look how awesome I am. No, what do they do? They come and they, they draw on my character. They say, oh, Dad, I know how much you love me. Like, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I do. I love you so much. Yeah, I know. Can I have that chocolate chippy biscuit, please? I'm like, ugh. Still no, but you almost had me. <laughs> or, like, or like when they come up and they say, but dad, you said I could do this. I'm like, oh, you're right, I did. <laughs> what are they doing? They're not, they're not, they're not standing, they're not um, trying to get something from me based on their own merit. They're trying to get something based on what I've already promised, what I've already said, or my character. And when it comes to interceding, this is the most important thing. If you don't remember anything else, Remember this, God is inviting us to intercede for others, holding him to his word and his character. It's all about him, his word, his character. This is what it looks like to intercede on behalf of others. This is what it looks like. And God's inviting us in. God's inviting you in to fight for others. Are you willing to? Hopefully your answer is yes. It's okay if it's a journey of learning how to do this. But hopefully you're wanting to. Hopefully I've stirred something up 
in you. I know my time is short, so I do want to start to finish up. I've been encouraged by, uh, I'm not sure what happens here at Kanameko Church, but for us, we run a lot of small groups. We've got 10 small groups that happen around the city of different people, different ages and whatnot. Some are families, some are in, um, men, some are women. Uh, one, of the, one of the small groups that runs is, is, is one of um, largely uh, single adult women, so kind of mid-20s through to early 30s, and, uh, and, and they, get, they gather together, and they love hanging out together, and they eat lots of chocolate together and all the good stuff, and, but they also pray together, and at the start of this year, they shared a, a picture, two pictures, sorry. The first one was a jar full of prayer requests from last year. And the next picture, picture was two jars, one of them labeled answered prayers. And about 90% of the prayers from the first picture were now in that second jar. And they recorded them, the things that they were praying for. Some were really big things. Some of them weren't answered yet, but, uh, but 90% of them were. And what were they doing? They were interceding for each other. They were praying for each other. They were contending for each other. And just, just by being in that small community uh, community group, writing them in and doing that, that, they were coming before God on behalf of each other to intercede for one another. When one of them lost faith, the other one was able to pray for them. When one of them got tired, the other ones were able to lift their hands. What were they doing? They were interceding. They were praying for one another. Um, I just want to finish with these final thoughts and then, uh, and then we'll minister. Do you reckon someone could do you reckon play some piano music behind me? That would be awesome. Uh, thank you, my man. Just, just some final thoughts. Doesn't it, doesn't it seem ridiculous that our God, the creator of the universe, would subject himself to his own creation's requests? And not only subject himself to it, but to actually invite it. Like this is someone who's like, like he, he's, not even just, he's not just bigger than, the, like he created the universe. He created time, like he's outside of time. How wild is that, that he would do that? But this is the story of our Bible. This is the story that the Creator God would invite his own creation to partner with him in ruling and reigning over the rest of creation. But not just that, he would then submit himself to the choices and actions of his own creation. And willingly so. The reason I know this to be the case, and hopefully you know this also, if you don't, I get to share this with you that fact that God himself came down and made himself a man in the person of Jesus Christ, subjected himself to the actions and decisions of humanity. And we in our sinfulness crucified him. We rejected him. And even when he was hanging on the cross, what did Jesus do? He prayed for those people who were crucifying he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he's still interceding for us today. He calls us to do the same. Would we intercede for creation? Would we intercede for the people in our world, our neighbors, our friends, and our family? Why don't we, uh, why don't we stand this morning? I'm going to hand over to Nick shortly. I just want to share some real basic, practical thoughts or applications that you can do. If you're thinking, yeah, I want to I intercede, I want to contend, what does that look like? Here's just some examples. Not exhaustive, but some things. Pray for the needs of others. 
you can simple prayers. They don't have to be long, lengthy prayers. In fact, Jesus taught us not to pray long, lengthy prayers. He taught us to, to pray genuine prayers. So pray genuine prayers. God, I pray for my neighbor. Help them with their fill in the blank. God, I pray for my son or my daughter. Help them to know you. Help them to experience your goodness. Pray in tongues. If you've got a gift of tongues, pray in tongues. That's something the Spirit can do in and through your life. And Paul writes, I pray in tongues more than anyone. That's a good thing to do. Come on, let's pray in tongues. Prophesy of a situation. Speak blessings. Speak life. Speak the truth of God over people or situations. And finally, declare. Make declarations. Declare scripture. Declare, declare truth. Declare the promises of God. Declare prophetic words. That's how we can intercede. That's how we can contend. Refuse to believe the lie you're not qualified to intercede for others. God is inviting us in to intercede for His people, for all people. And we can do that together.